put it out in 2014. So I think it was going in the studio probably 2013 or so, a year before. And uh, saying, well, I don't know, might as well see what, never been in a studio before, let's see. And he recommended that one. He played drums on the whole record. And, um, you know, kind of worked out and put it out. Some people listened. I was kind of surprised that anyone would really want to listen to any of my, you know, BS that I had to say. But uh, they did, so that was the intersection of good drinks, good music, and good times. This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. Welcome back. Welcome back. I hope you're off to a great start this week. I hope you're having a good week. Um, if not, hopefully this episode can cheer you up a little bit. We got a great conversation with Rodney Rice's third album uh, dropped this past Friday. We talked to him a little bit before it came out. It's a fun one. But before we get to that, up next is our tasting notes as we continue our grilling series this time, though, grilling and beer, because is there a better combination with Kevin Patterson? Enjoy. Did you know Hops and Spirits is more than just this podcast? Check out hopspirits.com for our latest episode release, past episodes, interviews with interesting folks in the alcohol industry, and so much more. Just go to hopspirits.com. Feel free to wait until this podcast is done. Joining us here once again on Tasting Notes, he's uh, Lexington's second favorite bartender, but he, he's our first favorite bartender. How about that? <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. I appreciate the support. <laughs> Welcome back, Kevin Patterson. He's the Cicero National Beer Judge. He's also the manager of the Beer Trap Craft Beer Store and Bar in Lexington, Kentucky. And and Kevin, we're going to talk today, we've talked a little bit about seasonal beers that you can expect in the summer, what people are buying, but... You know, summer is basically here or getting close to being here. And one thing that I think goes so well with beer is, you know, grilling some food and being outside. Oh, definitely. Everybody's chopping at the bits to fire up that grill and get outside and hurt themselves and hopefully make a, make something that's tasty to compensate for it all. Um, and in doing so, they want to open something. They want to open up a beer. You know, you know, not many people fire up a grill and say, let's pour this dainty glass of wine. Or not many people is like, you know, let's fire up this grill and let's make a Negroni, you know. Um, not people is like, oh, let's do a fine scotch with this. No, it's beer. People like beer. And so whenever you're firing up the grill, there's a couple of different things to think about um, whenever it comes to that. Everybody's got a Blackstone nowadays and everybody's got their smokers. And so everybody wants to kind of hang out around these things as they're firing up and getting going. There's just something innate about that. Um, but, you know, a lot of times whenever we talk about beer and food pairings, we talk about what flavors match. But let's talk about what moments match a little bit. One thing I like about, you know, go ahead and fire up that grill. It's just getting warmed up. You're not eating anything yet. You may not want that bigger beer that goes with that bigger food. So start out with something small. Start with something like a lager. I know one of the beers that kind of stay in my fridge mostly is that Stone Boy Nevesa. Um, it's a very light Mexican-style lager. Uh, it's decorated with a little bit of sea salt, a little bit of lime. And, you know, it's just, just fine. If I'm on a um, clean palate and if I haven't had anything in a while, then that beer suits me just fine. It's kind of a warm-up session. Mm -hmm. You know, later on, I'll get into the IPAs or I'll get into something a little bit darker to suit those meats that we're grilling out. Um, but to start out, just start out with that moment kind of light because when you first fire up that grill and you're going to be at that thing for an hour or two, if you're going to be smoking, you're going to be at that maybe six or eight hours, maybe longer. You don't need to jump into the heavy stuff early. That's just an emergency room waiting to visit. <laughs> so you don't want to do that. And so get something kind of lighter, something kind of easy. And I don't have a problem grabbing something on the lighter spectrum that way. Um, the Edelstoff by Augustiner, that's my favorite German lager, and that's a staple in my fridge. Um, and as the you know spring turns into summer a little bit, you're going to find more and more of those sitting on the grill when I take pictures and bragging my friends about what I'm cooking or anything like that. 
Um, so those are beers that's going to be in the background, and that's what I'm going to be starting out with. Now, you know, you get into a little bit deeper into the session, all of a sudden you're starting to make things. Um, you know, you really got to think about what, you know, foods you're making and what beers you kind of want to go with it. Well, I tell people when it comes to beer and food pairing, it's very simple. Now, the Cicerone program, they have a lot of books that kind of talk about, you know, what it takes to make proper beer and food pairing. But in my estimation, it really takes just three things to think about. And those three things is, number one, intensity. Number two, resonance. And number three, contrast. So when it comes to intensity, just make sure that whatever you're cooking isn't going to overwhelm what you're drinking and vice versa. So if you're going to be cooking hamburgers, don't go for a big barley wine. That's too big. But don't stick with that pilsner either because that's too small. So stick with something in between. Something, you know, that's going to have the intensity that's, that's kind of going to match. That amber ale is going to be just fine. That Wessex amber is perfect for that. Um, hot dogs are not, not a bad uh, option there either. Uh, wheat beer sometimes with some of the summer fare like cedar plank salmon. You want to do that on the grill. That's popular. You got those summer salads coming about. Wheat beers, uh, Belgian whips, those do real well. Uh, wheat beers, I really like Weinstefaner type of ice beer. Uh, whenever it comes to the wits, I really like St. Bernard's Wit really well or Avery White Rascal. Uh, those are great options for that. The second thing I want you to think about is that um, uh, resonance. In other words, think about what flavors are on the, on the grill versus which ones are in the beer. So if you're looking at the meat, you're looking at some sort of caramelization, that hardiness of the meat. And those marry up really well with that same kind of characteristics of the grains in like, a, in like an amber ale or maybe a brown ale. Because really what you do in the brewing process, you're developing those grain flavors in the same way you're developing those food flavors on the grill. And so one is going to marry up real well with the other. You get some sweetness from the char that matches the sweetness in the malt. They marry up real well together. And one never overwhelms the other if you keep the intensity about the same. The other thing I want you to think about is contrast. And I like the contrast aspect pretty well because I like to think of it as a story. You know, the food is going to tell a story, but it may not tell the whole story. We've watched a bunch of Star Wars stuff, and we know that there's a lot of holes in the Star Wars sagas, right? Well, food's the same way. So food, whatever you're preparing, is probably going to tell a lot of the story, but it's not going to have everything. So what you look for is what is in the beer that helps complement what, what the food left out. So there you're looking at something... Like, is there a bitterness in the, the beer that kind of offsets the, the sweetness in the food? They can resonate real well like that. Is there a fruitiness in one that doesn't resonate to the other? Do you think they would marry up together? So think about those three things. It's not that hard to do. One thing I love to do is encourage people just to get out there and play with beer and food. A couple reasons why is because unlike the wine world and maybe the bourbon world, um, your opportunity for disaster is not as great. In other words, you can play, you can pair a lot of things together and... Even though, you know, the beer may not necessarily make the food taste better and the food may not make the beer taste better, your chances of wrecking the whole session is not that great at all. So your lead way to experiment and play is good. The reason, second reason I tell people to experiment a little bit, is beer's pretty cheap. You know, that, that word's still out. So you can experiment with a lot of, you know, a dollar, dollar fifty beers um, and take a chance. If it doesn't work. But well, at the end of the day, you've got alcohol and your belly's full. So you're, it's pretty much a win-win all the way around. So have courage, buy some things, try it out. But as long as you stick with those three things, you know, what, what intensity matches, um, what resonance uh, kind of plays off each other, and what contrast can you look to fulfill a story. You do those three things, you can't really go wrong. Well, and, and the other thing to remember is, is I don't know about if this happens to you, but usually if I'm by, by the grill, for some reason, those beverages go down a whole lot quicker than when I'm other other places. So pacing yourself might be a good idea. <laughs> well, all I can figure is you're out in the sun and it evaporates the beer faster. 
that's what's happening. People don't know this, but it happens very, very fast. And so you have to make sure you have a lot of extra beers on the side in case that happens to you, you'll have plenty to replenish with. I like it. That is great advice all around, whether it's uh, those extra beers on hand or how to pair properly, uh, you know, grilling and bearing beer. And I, I really like how you, you went at, at that with the, the different moments because it's you can definitely pair foods. But like you said, at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end of the night are, are all vastly different things. You can. And keep in mind, after the dinner's over, it doesn't mean you have to turn the grill off. You got s'mores coming up. If you have a little campfire out back, those little fire pits that a lot of people have anymore, make sure you have some bigger, bolder stouts available so you can wash down those marshmallows and graham crackers. Uh, you have something that matches and also meets the intensity of those big sweet desserts there, too. By that time, the sun's probably going down. It's getting a little chilly. You may be reaching for the hoodie. And so you can handle a big beer at that point. So don't discount those big beers just while summer's rolling around. I love it, Kevin. And thank you for the knowledge as always. You're very welcome, Jonathan. Happy to do it. Check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hops Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at hopspirits.com. Joining us here for our conversation, he's a country artist, singer-songwriter. He's got his self-titled third album coming out on May 19th, which by the time this drops will be out. Please welcome in Rodney Rice. Hey, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? Oh, doing good. Can't complain. <laughs> now, this is Bar Conversation, so I got a very difficult question to start off with. Anything good in your glass tonight? I got uh, Weller 12 in the glass tonight. So, Ooh. Yeah. I like it. I like yeah. it. What was your uh, choice? Well, since you're out in Colorado, I decided to go with a little 291. Uh, okay, yeah. Nice. Uh, that little Colorado rye. I'm a big rye guy, so figured I'd pop pop that bad boy and see what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Now, now I've heard you've got a decent bourbon collection, and if you're drinking some Weller 12, I assume that is correct. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to give my uh, address away in this. Uh, <laughs> no, in this, no. Right? Just leave it somewhere in Colorado. Uh, yeah, we got... Uh, we got a couple hundred uh, bottles uh, in various stages of working through, you know, and uh, lots of problems, but bourbon's not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I was going to say, obviously, with a collection like that, um, is your wife okay with all of that? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Never, up, or do you have to do some special up. chores on occasion? Oh, no, no. She's kind of instigates that. Uh, she grew up in Kentucky and in, in Lexington. Ah. Ah, really? Yeah. That's where I'm based. Yeah, I know. I say we'll have to connect one time out there. You know, watch go to the races. You know, absolutely, absolutely. Up, so I guess right, didn't it? I think it just finished. It just it just wrapped up. Although we, you know, since we're like I said, recording this a little bit beforehand, we'll we'll be there for the Derby up on the hill and having some fun uh, oh, this weekend. So uh, yeah. always a good time out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've yet to make it to the Derby. I've been to Keeneland a couple times, but. Uh, never the Derby. Not yet. One of these days. I've been to Churchill, not for the Derby. We've done a couple Mother's Days out there, um, which have been pretty cool. Um, I don't think we're going to be able to pull that off off this year, but it, it's a totally different experience than Keeneland. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. <laughs> now, now, obviously, being a bourbon guy, i got to ask this, too. What's your favorite 
style? Are, are you a just a straight bourbon, a Tennessee whiskey guy, a rye guy, or, or do you just like them all? I, I like them all, really. I like them. All. I mean, I like the I like the Dickel Bottle and Bond. You know, mm. uh, that's a good one. If I had to, if I could just have one endless supply, it would probably be Elmer. You know, uh, uh, like but you know, I like I like the rye too, and um, you know, Colorado's got some uh, the bourbons out, you know, whiskeys out here, so. Um, yeah, I got a pretty broad palette, I guess you could say. <laughs> and it seems like since you said they're in stages, I'm guessing you're a guy that does enjoy opening the bottles, enjoying a pour and sharing them w- with some friends. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if we haven't opened it, it's just because we haven't opened it yet, you know, and, and if we didn't finish it, we just, you know, didn't have enough people to finish it then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now, we're not collectors in, uh, and hoarding. We uh, we like to open it and share and, and enjoy with friends and family and, and, and what have you, you know. Now, do you have, obviously, you mentioned you got a collection. Do you have a nice bar set up? How's this? Because my, I don't. Uh, <laughs> my house, I don't yeah. have enough room for, for all that. <laughs> well, we had a big cabinet deal, and then um, that got, uh, it was kind of a dog hair magnet, you know, so... Uh, we put in some floating shelves and and then I, I had to put a lot of the bottles in the basement because the we reduced our uh display space you know and so uh, i got a lot of bottles in the basement and, and uh storage so you know yeah i like it i like it a little, little dust on the bottle bottle action of, of yeah. course <laughs> yeah yeah now now you do do it dabble in some music too um were you always into into music, or did that kind of come later on in life? Uh, how did that all come about? Yeah, I mean, I was, I always uh, was into music, you know, and uh, you just think from older family members, you know, older siblings, uh, grandparents, uncles, uh, stuff like that. You know, they were, there was always music around, always listening to music, um, making up like you know my own words to songs if I, you know, couldn't remember that kind of thing, you know, as a kid, uh, I definitely made a choice to learn guitar and pick that up. Uh, and I was probably, uh, jun- you know, junior high, early, you know, seventh, seventh grade or something like that, maybe when I uh, started kind of picking around on guitar. But uh, it's always been there ever since, you know, just something that... Uh, I've always done and at this point it's just a part of my DNA of you know who I am what I do so it was never really a conscious effort or like a decision to um, be a musician Um, more I mean it was definitely a choice a decision to start recording and putting it out in a uh, more of a professional display but or presentation, you know, but, uh, um, I'm still trying to figure that out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> now, have you learned a few more than a couple chords? Cause I remember reading that, that that's all you uh, could play at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I got, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I stay down around first position, you know, uh, pretty much that's, that's kind of, that's kind of my, uh, that's where the, the, all the necks wear on my guitars, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Now, now you grew up in in West Virginia. Where'd you grow up? Uh, in the good old mountain state. Uh, M- Morgantown. You know the uh, 
um, the drinking town of the college sports problem. <laughs> <laughs> so were you, did you actually, did you go to, did you grow up in Morgantown or outside, just outside of Morgantown? Uh, in, in, inside and outside the, you know, I mean, sometimes, sometimes I lived inside the city limits, sometimes outside, you know, in a, up the hall or up the mountain or whatever. But, uh, uh, spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house there and they lived outside of the city limits. You know, my, uh, mom lived in, in the city. So it was kind of, uh, in, you know, in and out, both, you know, good mix of the college town growing up, you know, in the hollers of, of West Virginia. Now, yeah. obviously that's like right on the Mason Dixon line. See, I was born above the Mason Dixon line in, in Weirton, uh, okay. West Virginia. So, okay. um, but you being right there on the border there and, and kind of in that college town, but obviously not far from the mountains, what impact did that have on, on you and just your, your music and life? Yeah, you know, uh, that's a good point. I didn't know you're uh, from uh, uh, Weirton. No, that's, that's awesome. Small world. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, Morgantown, like I said, is college town, so you had the uh, diversity there of the, of the town. But I, I also uh, started paddling uh, uh, kayaks at a young age and uh, working on the river as a raft guide, safety boater, and all those rivers around uh you know, Western Maryland, uh, Northern West Virginia, Southwest PA. And, you know, so with that would take you out way into the hollers, you know? And, uh, so I was kind of even, you know, like I said, in the city with some, and then, and then, you know, going out in the woods and running rivers and stuff outside. And, uh, it's just more diversity in that too. I mean, being in the college town, but then also going out, um, you know, and interacting with folks that, uh, you know, have a little different way of life than, um, in the city. I mean, Morgantown is a small, pretty small city compared to, <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, it's just, it just offered more diversity and, um, you know, experiences, meet more people, especially with the river scene. I mean, you know, the trips, you're meeting new folks every day and, and learning how to communicate with them. I mean, you're stuck, if they're in your raft, you're stuck with them all day. So you might as well figure it out, you know? And, and I think that helped with the, you know, I didn't realize it at the time, but now looking back, I think that really helped with, you know, my um, um, ability of, of performing on stage, you know, and reading the room and reading people and, and just being able to figure out a way to connect somehow, you know, because, you know, we're doing this thing, so we might as well figure it out. <laughs> Now, now, obviously, if you're if you're rafting, did you ever head down south and, and hit the new and, and oh the yeah, I go down and do the golly, yeah, yeah. I never worked down there, but um, I go down there in golly season, and uh, you know, usually hit a new the new river a couple times a, a season, and definitely would get down there for golly season. Loved it, beautiful. Yeah, and I never had had the courage to do that because we lived in my wife and I lived in Beckley. Uh, for for a good little while, we'd head up to Fayetteville for the eat at Pies and Pints and some of those those places, oh, yeah. but yeah. Ne- never never could get me out on a raft. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it, it's uh it's different view of the uh, of the canyons. That's for sure when you're when you're down there looking up out of them. You know, absolutely, and and then obviously if you're you're into music and you're you're getting all these different things being in West Virginia. Cause obviously 
folks don't know, there's a lot of radio stations that you can kind of pick up sometimes when you're on top of those mountains. What were some of your favorite artists growing up that had an impact on you? You know, I mean, there's the easy, uh, the ones you always hear, you know, like the uh, Dylan, Bob Dylan and uh, Willie Nelson, John Prine. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I remember my older sister turned me on to Sunvolt when I was pretty young. Uh, or sorry, Uncle Tupelo, and then later Sunvolt and Wilco. Um, uh, so definitely, yeah, Uncle Tupelo, uh, Super Su- the Super Suckers. I was really into them too, you know. Um, of course, you know the the, the classic country uh, got you know Hank and George Jones and the like and what have you. But uh, yeah, I think the uh, I think that's probably a good mix of it seems like you know i know i've seen dylan a bunch same with john uh prine a bunch of times and um yeah that's, that's probably about it i mean there's a bunch <laughs> but those are the the easy ones that come off the top top of mind you know um yeah, well absolutely i mean it was a, it was a good time to to be listening and enjoying music i mean just to be able to do that but like you said your your sister took you to a couple of those concerts or you were able to get to some yeah, of those too right my, yeah my first concert uh i went you know was john prine and uh my older sister took me to and um was in morgantown at the creative arts center so you know that was morgantown was big enough with the college there you know you'd have um folks would come in so you could get uh really two or three places in town. They either did the Coliseum, the Creative Arts Center, or one of the joints downtown. Um, but, um, yeah, I remember it uh, distinctly. distinctly we, uh, we had tickets to the last, the very last row, which it worked out pretty good because then we could stand up and not, you know, bother anybody. <laughs> but I, well, I mean, those are good memories. Well, may have 12, I think. I can't recall exactly. It's definitely young, early, you know. Um, it was in, it was impactful uh, to see him. Uh, you know, he had the band. Uh, he did the solo, you know, a few songs solo, and um, brought the band back out. It was um, it, it was great. Yeah, I was gonna say those are, are cool memories that that you'll always be able to have. And and like you said, obviously, like music wasn't exactly kind of the career path you saw right at the beginning. So you you went to school. You worked on that degree at Morgantown. I'm sure a few other things in Morgantown, but you yeah. got that geology degree yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. and, and ended up down in Texas of all places. Yeah. I went to school, uh, um, after I traveled around working on rivers, uh, kind of just got tired of, uh, eating, uh, Pringles and, and trail mix, you know? Uh, so I, uh, I did that for a few more. I had that diet for a few more years while I was going to school, and uh, I, I just connected with geology. I think through rivers, you know. Um, uh, took the the geology uh, class uh, for, to fulfill the science credit, right? And and um, you know, a lot of the rivers they're talking about. I just immediately connect. I was like, well, I've paddled that one and that one and what have you, and. Um, and I just kind of work, went into, uh, yeah, after uh, graduation, uh, just kind of immediately started working on rigs. Um, worked in a mine for a few months. 
they mainly been above ground besides that, you know, and uh, all over uh, West Virginia, uh, Pennsylvania, Wyoming, uh, Texas, um, you know, it's, uh, that kind of is how I got in the recording studio, it was just in between rigs, uh, um, uh, Jason McKenzie, who played drums for Billy Joe Schaefer, um, set me up with uh, a studio in Austin, which is where I recorded the first two, um, first two albums. But, you know, I kind of put the album out. I put the first album out thinking, well, I just got all these songs I've been writing for, you know, my whole life at that point. And uh, I was 20, put it out in 2014. So I think it was going in the studio probably 2013 or so, a year before. And uh, I said, well, I don't know. Might as well see what, never been in a studio before. Let's see. And he recommended that one. He played drums on the whole record. And, um, you know, kind of worked out and put it out some people listened and I was kind of surprised that anyone would really want to listen to any of my you know BS that I had to say but uh they did so that was encouraging and kind of unexpected I guess you know <laughs> I was gonna say so is that kind of what pushed you to be like okay maybe this is something <laughs> you know maybe it's something more than yeah, just, just you know, a way never, to get some thoughts out yeah I never really I mean I always like I said, the music was always there. It was something I did. I mean, traveling around paddling, carrying always a guitar with me, river scene, you know, there's always people busting out instruments and jamming on the porches and, you know, the river scene. Uh, so it was always something I did and enjoyed. I just never really, I was always writing, you know, just never really thought, man, I need to put this out and, uh, present this, you know, formally to the, to the, the world. And, uh, then I did and people were kind of listening and, uh, um, they liked it. And I was like, well, I guess this is, you know, took me like a couple albums before I really considered myself a songwriter. It's still kind of like, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just, what I do, you know, is like, uh, sitting around picking with my cousin and writing songs that, grandma's house is like i guess that makes me a songwriter you know <laughs> well don't sell yourself short don't sell yourself short <laughs> now yeah. now obviously though at some point you ended up in colorado and i'm and like you said i'm pretty sure it was for a lady right oh yeah my uh, uh my wife uh uh is from uh well she grew up in lexington but she was she was born in colorado so uh we relocated here and uh in 2018 yeah so and and obviously there's a, a pretty good music scene out there too and and what what's it been like to to kind of be out there and then go at this full time because eventually that's you know you were like okay i guess people like me maybe i'll give it a try <laughs> yeah yeah it's um you know it's just uh yeah i guess oh man i don't know just uh kind of yeah it just kind of just happened like i said it still really wasn't a um a decision it's like one day i just decided to you know do it it's just uh one day i just didn't have any other jobs <laughs> i mean uh by know, default you were a musician <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much i guess that's uh you know, I guess that's the, the straw that makes it uh, full-time. But, no, I mean, I've always gone after it. Um, 
you know, very, you know, it, it's to totally uh, supplement your, your, uh, your, you know, your whole uh, livelihood with music. It, it's a lot of work. Any of the musicians will tell you that. And some of them, um, you know, some folks make a lot more at it than others. But, um, you know, whether it, you know, whatever the circumstances are that allows, uh, you know, some to be fortunate of that and have less side hustles than, than others. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I think any, I think any musician will tell you it's a, it's a full-time hustle, uh, regardless, you know, so, uh, um, but it's enjoyable. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and like I said, it's, it's, it's cool to see kind of what you've been able to do. And, and obviously when you're writing those songs and things like that, um, what's that process like for you even though you're, you're not a songwriter per se yeah, yeah. what's it like putting, I putting I that am. out I there i guess i am a songwriter but because uh, <laughs> is that personal experiences it is is it ideas how does it how does the process kind of work for you yeah it i mean it's it's definitely things that have an impact on me um i mean if it's something that directly happens to me or, or something that um you know, happens to someone I'm close to that's close enough or, or just observational that, um, you know, impacts I me. Mean, you can see stuff on, uh, you know, you can read the news, newspaper or anything, any kind of me- media that has an effect on you, um, whether it be uh, firsthand or once or twice removed. I, mean, I think that's kind of the source of it. Uh, um, and um, sometimes I sit down and... Um, I just kind of write the whole song, uh, easy peasy, no problem, you know, start to finish. I think that's kind of uh, more often than not is uh, not the case. You know, it, it doesn't happen like that all the time, unfortunately. Um, um, I kind of keep little phrases and melodies um, on, you know, notebooks, on phone uh, recordings, voice memos. I got hundreds of those things on my phone all the time. You know, it's ridiculous. And sometimes I sit down and go through and do like an inventory of start trying to organize them and, and figure what needs to go where and group them. And, um, and same thing with little notes and phrases and, and uh, little uh, scrapbooks. Um, traveling is really good to, for me for writing, whether it's just windshield time by myself driving somewhere on a long drive and you kind of just have the you know, music off and you're just listening to the the road underneath you and, and um, so that that that's really uh, inspiring I've written a lot of songs just driving from cross country or wherever you know it's a mix a mix of all at once and then kind of uh, um, you know hodgepodge and things together and a smorgasbord of experiences throughout the years well and uh, i think uh your latest or your lead single off of uh of um your the, the latest album um your self-titled album uh rabbit ears motel came from your honeymoon and from your wife is that kind of how yeah, it worked yeah. we, we got married up in uh in steamboat springs um which is uh, uh kind of like north central colorado um it's a little ski town there 
And actually in 18, I think it was 1836, was part of the Republic of Texas. I just kind of learned that the other day, so that's, uh, that was pretty interesting. Um, but uh, we, were, we got married up there and spent the week there with the uh, immediate family hanging out. And, um, but always, uh, we selected that spot just because we would camp there when we were coming through or uh, go fishing there and uh, biking, you know, mountain biking and stuff. So we uh, just figured we'd, we just got married there alongside of a uh, county county road, unmaintained county road deal and spent the week there and uh, we were leaving and um, my wife just said, you know, the, the Raptors has this iconic neon sign, right? It's uh, um, it's pretty, pretty retro. She said, you should write a song about, you know, you gotta write a song about this place. And um, I just started kind of working on it on the, you know, on the drive home, just like coming up with different things. Um, and uh, it all references the town, you know. It, um, every verse is, is tied to tied to the town and the area there. So, yeah, that's how it started. And that's, uh, uh, that was kind of, uh, yeah, that was, we got married in, um, when we moved up here in 2018. So, um, I kind of you know, just chipping away at it. Uh, I had the other album um, that I was trying to get finished and put out, and which went out in 2020, and then the whole, you know, uh, everything happened there, you know, uh, which, uh, you know, gave me the time, I guess, to reach out to folks in Nashville to a studio I always wanted to work out of, and saying well if, if I'm going all the way to Nashville I might as well have more than one song you know <laughs> uh, so I went in with three songs um, and then went on to West Virginia stopped back in Nashville recorded the fourth and then went back to Nashville and did the remaining five and wrapped up the album so kind of uh, it escalated rather quickly you know from <laughs> Hey, things happen that way. Things happen yeah. that way. Now, yeah. now, yeah. why go the uh, self-titled route here with, with your your third album uh, and go Rodney Rice? Yeah, because the you know the first two albums I put out. Uh, well, I put out the first album and uh, Empty Pockets in a Troubled Mind, and um, I like I said, I had no idea. I'm still totally independent, and I still have essentially no idea of. <laughs> what I'm doing, you know, still learning all along. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was just like, well, I've made an album. I need to put it on CDs and just mail it out. I didn't do any kind of press or any, anything really. I just immediately released it. Um, and I did that twice before, uh, I met some folks uh, in the industry that said, you know, that's, uh, not how you release an album. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I was thinking of like you know if I'm gonna if I want to try to release this the right way, get a team of, of folks together and and um, you know try to do everything correctly and um, just to honor the project and the music of just want to represent it the best way I can. Um, I thought, well, let's do a self-titled, try to get my you know name and uh, face you know 
associated and out, out there. So that's why I went um, uh, self-titled on the third album instead of the first one. But <laughs> hey, at least you had that opportunity, and you can kind of reintroduce yourself. And yeah. and what can folks expect on this album when they get to hear it? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think this this album has the way we recorded. Um, you know, we recorded a lot uh, directly to tape. And um, so really analog uh, heavy studio. And with that, you know, um, it's, uh, I think really captures more like a live environment of, uh, if you listen to the this album um, and you see me with the band, uh, it, it's gonna really, uh, represent kind of how I sound with the band now. Um, sometimes you get into a studio and record certain ways you can uh, build up a, you know, a sound that isn't really indicative of what you sound live, you know? And, um, but this, this album is, is really, um, has that live uh, feel to it. And, um, so it's I think it's a rocker in my opinion. I I I, I dig it. I'm happy with it. I was gonna say I, I've been, I've enjoyed getting to listen to it and and you know like you said it's it's obviously your third album. So how is it different than than the other ones? Because I'm guessing some of it is that just how it was recorded. But how, how does it differ? Maybe. Yeah, I mean I think um, you know the. Uh, the first two albums and that, that amount of time I spent in the studio, like you said, there's obviously differences in styles of recording, which produce different results and different people and places, different players. Um, but myself, having gone through you know two full albums uh, in the studio, I came into to this third one a lot more comfortable um, thinking about music differently about uh just arrangements and and um right you know it's definitely in, in impact affected my uh my writing because now um just you know more kind of more matured as a songwriter <laughs> but Not more uh, mature though in general right <laughs> yeah 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 and and uh so i think it's more maybe writing for that type of uh you know more for like a, a, a band delivery. Um, and I think a lot of the song, I mean, the first album and even the second album, uh, I mean, some of those songs I, I had probably since I was like 16 or something, you know, 17. So it's like, I mean, I'm just writing on a porch with a guitar and not, you know, but, you know, writing with more of a band and you're like, oh man, this guy organ you know keys here and you know horns here you know it's it definitely changes uh your ears and um you start listening listening like that uh man i haven't listened to music the same since <laughs> well and, and and like you said you you got to do this one in in nashville and and you also got to probably bring in some some folks that you might not have been able to before and what was it like to kind of surround yourself with some some pretty talented folks that could play some instruments and and you know give you a little little help yeah the uh i've been lucky with uh even working in austin um of just being in studios surrounded by really great musicians uh, i'm so uh lucky to have that experience and um 
and Nashville was, you know, was amazing. Um, going in there, like I said, kind of recording the tape, I was like, oh man, like, you know, I hope I'm not slowing this show down, you know, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think, I think it was Johnny Cash. I, I think it was Johnny Cash that said, if you make sure that you go in the studio, make sure everyone's better than you and it'll come out great. <laughs> yeah. I've always been lucky to have that, uh, that, uh, principle to, for, for my albums. But, um, yeah, Nashville is, it was so great, man. And they made it so easy and, uh, natural i don't think we i don't think we did more than like three takes on a track you know um and i think i was just kind of adjusting levels and stuff and then knocked it out so it was it was uh i was just like kind of like a sponge just trying to learn from everyone i'm around i mean that's it doesn't matter if it's music or you know if you go to uh uh, one of the uh, distilleries, you know, you, you're talking to this, you go to the tour, you're talking to the distiller, the master distiller, and, you know, you see someone has like passion and just lives for something. Um, man, it's contagious and it makes you, you know, makes you better uh, just being around them and more knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. and same thing in the studio in Nashville, especially. It's like, man, oh, geez, that, that's the fun. The easiest part is in the studio. Uh, playing with all those great musicians, the the men and women that came in were just amazing. It was um, uh, such a pleasure to be around them for those days. Well, and and obviously with with the release of the album, the next kind of step is to you know share that those songs with with folks and, and hit the road. and And I think you've got some tour dates. and And what's it like to to get out and and hit the road again? Yeah. Uh, that's the fun part is, uh, uh, you know, delivering the, the show to folks. And, um, you know, it's always different. I mean, um, the venues change in the town. The, the audience is changing. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, playing with different players, different bands. I mean, I always don't have the same band, some variation of it, you know. Um, um, that's yeah that's just the fun part where you get to you know have that connection with people like uh if i was you know like i was saying like the raft guide thing you know uh, you know the, maybe the same river but little things change the people are changing in the raft or the levels changing or the conditions change but you're still you know you're still doing your your thing so um yeah it's 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 great to connect with people like that um because, you know, you don't really know them from, you know, anyone else or where they're from or they, you know, they know me through my music and their interpretation of whatever that, you know, whatever I'm singing about, you know. But there's enough common language there that uh, connects with people and um, that's, that's the coolest thing about it, really. And, and obviously when you're getting to play live shows and like you said, you just kind of threw out an album and you were like, Whoa, people are listening to this. What obviously I'm guessing too, then when you're going out and people are there to see you, that had to be a different experience as well. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you, when, uh, folks are like singing, you're singing along to the song. Um, it, it's, it's really neat. <laughs> it's like, man, it, Sometimes I'm like, oh man, I better not forget the words because 
Now I know they know him. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, that's when you just, uh, you know, send it out to them, bring it back, and, and you're good to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, and and obviously, you know, we're we're just getting into the, the about the midway point of 2023. What's what's the rest of, of the year look like for you, and what are you hoping to, to get out of it? Oh man, you know, uh, being an independent artist, uh, man, I hope, I hope this, uh, this album helps, you know, just, um, lead to, uh, more, uh, more tour, you know, more tour dates in different places and, uh, more gigs. Um, and that's what it's, it's really just getting in front of more people and opening that, uh, Casting a bigger net, you know, bringing them into the uh, the Rodney Rice show, <laughs> and uh, that, that there's a lot of uh, um, a lot of work to be done still with with pushing the album because, like I say, it comes out in a couple weeks, uh, so uh, still push that through uh, probably you know the rest of the year and uh, um, and just try to yeah get it out get out in front of as many people as I can and. Um, sing my songs, tell my stories and make those connections, you know? Well, I, I think the music is, is there to make those connections and folks, if you get the chance, I recommend listening to the Rodney Rice album, <laughs> the self-titled album. Uh, it, it's worth a listen and, and Rodney, I, I appreciate you sharing the story and, and sharing a drink with me. Oh yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah. Find more from Hops and Spirits at hopspirits.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye.